Well, hey, welcome to the time given. I'm glad that you've decided to come to listen today. The time given is a uh, it's a pretty straightforward podcast. Um, it's really just going to be a place where lots of people come and talk about their experiences with God and how their lives have been shaped by Him, with a very strong emphasis on the way in which He blesses us with time. God gives us time, and we have the opportunity to decide what to do with it. My name is Hunter Croxall. Um, I'm the uh, the host, technically, sort of, of this podcast. And um, although most episodes will have a guest sharing their experiences, I decided that I might as well take the opportunity to first share my experiences so that you can better understand why this podcast exists and why it is so important to talk about our personal relationships with the divine and with God and with Jesus Christ. And so the quote that inspires, that inspired both the title and the intended purpose of of this entire podcast surprisingly is not from a, a church source whatsoever. It's actually from the Lord of the Rings. And I know some of you just freaked out and were like, oh no, is he one of those people who's like a total nerd and is just going to talk about Lord of the Rings all the time? No, I'm not. I am going to quote Lord of the Rings fairly regularly though, because the Lord of the Rings has some really good stuff about God and about life and mortality that is just golden. But <laughs> don't worry, don't worry. This is not about that. This is about Jesus Christ, all the way through and through, and about how I have come to know him. And so, the quote that I love from The Lord of the Rings is, is, is an interaction between two of the main characters, between the mentor figure Gandalf and the main character Frodo. And in the book, Frodo is, is given a task that is nearly impossible, and he's, he faces a lot of self-doubt because of it. And so Gandalf, as all mentors do, gives words of advice to his uh, his protege, I suppose. Um, and so this is this is in the book here. It says, "I wish it need not have happened in my time," said Frodo. "So do I," said Gandalf, "and so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us." Now that is from the Fellowship of the Ring. I'm attributing that to J.R.R. Tolkien. He's the one who made it. It's a great quote. Good job on his part. And I just love that idea that we don't decide our circumstances. We don't. Most of us honestly just got plopped where we started and that's where we are. But what we do have the ability to choose is what we're going to do with the time that is given to us. And so this, this episode and every episode after is going to really emphasize that capacity we have to decide that God can only turn our opposition, our challenges, our trials into opportunities if we choose to let him, that we decide the outcome of our lives. To begin my story, I want to talk about muscular dystrophy, Becker's muscular dystrophy. Some of you have certainly heard of muscular dystrophy. I hope you have. 
Um, it's a degenerative muscle disease that in, afflicts mostly um, boys um, from a very early age and then uh, afflicts them throughout their entire lives. Something that you're born with. Um, and so I, I was born with, with muscular dystrophy with a, with a not as potent form of it. There, there's a form called Duchenne's um, that, has, that drastically reduces uh, lifespan uh, for those who have it. Um, but I have a, a weakened form called Becker's. And to put it simply, my, my body is degenerating. Um, it has been since I was about, oh, I don't know, 12, 13, 14. Um, and so my body is, is in a constant state of, of soreness, um, pain sometimes, especially if I do activities, physical activities that are strenuous in any way, I, uh, I feel pain. Um, and then just in my normal living, uh, my body is always sore. My legs always feel like I've ran a marathon the day before. Um, maybe not that bad. I don't know what that feels like, but, um, it's just exhausting this weight on my shoulders all of the time. And it's something that I've had my entire life. And so it's really played this foundational role in how I understand the time that has been given to me, um, that my circumstances are a physical disease that hugely inhibits my ability to to be and act like a normal person, even though I, I look just like a normal person. Um, you, you'd see me on the street and you'd probably just think I'm just another normal person passing who does not have some crazy muscle disease, right? Um, and so that, that has been this constant push and pull throughout my life. And that's what I really want to talk about here is how I have been able to find God and find opportunity in the midst of something that I, I honestly wish I didn't have sometimes, right? And I, I sometimes wish that my life were easier, but I know that I couldn't have the opportunities I currently have without the opposition created by it. And so I'm just going to kind of cover a handful of experiences from my life where I have been able to, to see God's hand in the midst of hard things, and I've been blessed because of it. My first experience comes the summer before I started my freshman year of high school. I had, um, you know, I, I was just got out of middle school. I was excited to get there, and it was summertime, and so our stake did something called a modern trek. It was basically just camping. That's what it was, um, but they did it instead of a trek, which was nice because I was not looking forward to doing a trek because, you know, I'm just not really the most fit person on the planet. Um, and so I was like, okay, that sounds great. So we went and we had these cool groups and it was a ton of fun. I was with all my friends. I mean, it was just the time of my life. Um, but there was one activity they had us did that struck me so deeply and I've, I've never forgotten it. It was astounding. Um, what they had us do is each, each of us got a bucket, each youth had a bucket and they, they had us walk on this trail. And as we walked, we would come up to, to different, um, leaders, I guess. And they would, they would read a scripture or, or tell us a story about someone who is, you know, we, we made a mistake. And so we'd add a rock to our bucket. And of course they would encourage us to put heavy rocks into the buckets so that, you know, it really make the experience fulfill. And you might already know where this is going. Um, and so we would put all these buckets in these, these, I mean, all these rocks into these buckets and we'd carry them 
along the trail and keep adding rocks and occasionally we'd get to take one out right um and so i i just kind of played along i'd put heavy rocks in i was having a hard time lifting my bucket um both because i'd put heavy rocks and because my muscle strength is is very low right but of course i just wanted to be part of the group you know i'm a 14 year old i hadn't really been grappling with muscular dystrophy yet and so you know i keep putting rocks in the bucket and eventually we got to this really steep part and i was not able to lift my bucket up the hill right and walk and so my friends came around me and they helped me um you know and most of them being the age they were didn't fully grasp what was going on i mean i didn't really fully grasp what was wrong with me but they were willing to help and so we got my bucket up the hill up to this this little clearing right this flat clearing um, and there was the stake president, uh, next to a ramp. And then on the other side of the ramp was this pile of rocks and they had each of us one by one go up and dump the big buckets of rocks into the pile. And, um, I got to do that and it was cool, right? I was like, oh, that was, that was really like fantastic. He read a little blurb about the atonement in a way that Jesus Christ, you know, redeems us and heals us from our strife and from our struggles and so you know i was like oh that was fun and so we, we went through the rest of the modern trek and then on sunday um they invited all the youth to come up and bear their testimonies about their experiences at the at the uh at the at the trek right and so i went up and i i started talking about this experience with dumping the rocks and i i remember just being struck by a spiritual power I had not experienced before. It was it was the Holy Ghost. I know that now. But at the time it, it was it was foreign to me and I just began sobbing as I recognized the personal and infinite atonement of Jesus Christ. And how my inability to get that bucket up the hill was okay because in the end I would be redeemed, right? that Jesus Christ would take that from me. That was the first time I actually put together what Jesus Christ had done for me. I've never forgotten that moment, right? That, that was the electrifying moment in which I knew God and I needed God. And that certainly didn't save me from my trials. Um, as you'll, as you'll see that life, you know, my, my struggle with muscular dystrophy did not end at that moment, but it really, gave me some firepower and I felt so deeply blessed because of it. A really cool quote that I feel like really connects to that experience um, is by uh, Dave, Elder David A. Bednar. This is one of my favorite talks from him, one of my favorite quotes from him. In fact, from anyone in ever. <laughs> um, it was in his talk, Bear Up Thy Burdens With Ease. And in reference to the Savior, he said, there is no physical pain, no spiritual wound, no anguish of soul or a heartache, no infirmity or weakness you or I ever confront in mortality that the Savior did not experience first. In a moment of weakness, we may cry out, no one knows what it is like, no one understands, but the Son of God perfectly knows and understands, for He has felt and borne our individual burdens, and because of His infinite and eternal sacrifice, He has perfect empathy and can extend to us his arm of mercy. He can reach out, touch, succor, heal, and strengthen us to be 
more than we could ever be and help us to do that which we could never do relying only upon our own power. Indeed, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Jesus Christ is amazing. And I learned that that day when I was 14 there at Modern Trek. Now I want to fast forward a little bit in my life, not not too far, just just into the beginning of my freshman year um, where I was continuing to grapple with the reality of having muscular dystrophy. You, you have to put this in perspective, right? That I'm not me currently as a 22-year-old guy. This was me as a, as a 14-year-old who didn't understand the gravity of my situation, right? It was just starting to come to my mind, right? Um, and I remember one time I was at seminary and, uh, we went up to, we had to like go up on the board and write trials that, you know, we would be able to, to have, you know, the trials that we were facing. And so I went up there and put something about my legs being diseased. Right. And I went up there and I, and I wrote it down and, you know, I didn't think anything of it. Um, at, at the moment, but then my seminary teacher, whom I have mixed feelings for, <laughs> he, he pointed at mine and, and asked, you know, like, what, what was that one for? And so I was, as I was about to talk about it, which I never in my entire life spoken, you know, in a, in a public way about, to, to anyone about muscular dystrophy and about my struggle with it. And so I just started bawling. Um, <laughs> I just started crying. Um, and, you know, the class ended, everyone left, and I sat there with my teacher, and I was just, like, distraught. I don't really even remember why I was so distraught, but um, I knew then that, that I was going to be facing something that was not fair, right? And I, I'd, I'd seen that, I'd, I'd noticed that, right, throughout middle school that I was different, that I was not as strong as the other kids. Um, but in that moment, I recognized that really the the greatest trial about muscular dystrophy is is what it does to you in your mind and in your emotions right that it truly makes you feel alien and that is a terrible place to be and so that was kind of where i was at that point and and throughout high school i just didn't really want to face the demons of my muscular dystrophy so i just didn't talk about it very much um of course a few of my leaders knew um, and my parents were very concerned for me and a, and a small handful of my friends were very aware. Um, and I was blessed because of that. My parents, amazing people. I have been so blessed by the parents I have. I love them. And the friends that I've had throughout my life have always been so understanding and so kind. And they helped me to really bear that burden throughout my high school experience. But the opposition has grown. It continued to grow throughout that time. And, um, the opportunities didn't really seem to be doing that. And so, um, I remember I was, I was about to, to head out on my mission. I was pretty close to that time. And, uh, my parents, along with some family friends, we decided to, to take a trip to, uh, like, uh, northeastern, northwestern New York, right? Um, was it called upstate New York? Okay. They're weird. Just keep that in mind. Um, and we, we went and visited the sacred grove and then with my young men, we also took a trip in July or in June, right before I left on my mission in July, again to that same area. And 
so in the, in a matter of, of four months, I got to go to the, to the sacred grove. I got to go through Palmyra, did baptism for the dead at the temple there. Um, got to go visit Philadelphia, Washington, DC, New York city, right? I mean, all sorts of places in that time period, but it was amazing. The experience I had at the sacred grove. Um, it's another one of those electrifying keystone moments. Um, because I went there with questions of, of, would I be able to, to serve a mission well? Would I be able to endure my trials well? And I went and I found a quiet place by myself. And I sat on a bench. Actually, I kneeled both times and I prayed. <laughs> there is no doubt in my mind that there is a God in this universe, right? Like, <laughs> it's one of those moments where you, you know it wasn't you. And you know that that feeling of peace that you, you felt so rarely, right? That I had only felt one other time there on that pulpit. I felt it twice. Every if Both times I was there, just the most overwhelming sense of peace and power come over me. <laughs> I, I don't know how to put that into words. It was amazing, though. And I know, I know that, that not everyone has that experience at the Sacred Grove, and I, and I understand that that's hard. But for me, that was foundational. And I knew that, that I needed that because I was really stressing about the opposition. And I just knew then that it would be okay. There's a quote that I put in my um, high school yearbook that applied perfectly to that moment. Um, it's from Harry Potter when, uh, when Dumbledore says, Happiness can be found even in the darkest of times if one only remembers to turn on the light. When I was at the Sacred Grove, I recognized that the real power of God is not limited to those places, right? That it really is about my willingness, my choices that allow me to connect with God, right? And to connect with him on a personal level, that I have to turn on the light. The time has been given to me to choose that, regardless of my circumstances, right? And so... From that, I, I headed off on my mission, and it was a great, well, the start was not great. I had to go up a flight of stairs from the basement to, like, the, the upper floor first. Well, that was when I realized I was going to die, um, because I had to carry my 40-pound bag, which I know, I know, for most 18-year-old boys, that's like, yeah, I'm so buff and cool, but for me, it's like, okay, I'm going to die. <laughs> um, welcome to my world, buff boys. Um, <laughs> and so literally I got up, I was exhausted. My legs hurt, my arms hurt. And then they had me march all over the MTC and get all sorts of random stuff. And then I got to sit down for two minutes in my room before they sent me to class. And I was like, who designed this? Like, this is evil. <laughs> this is evil. Um, and so I did the whole thing. We got through the whole march. Anyways, we got it all done. Got all the stuff. And then while I was at the MTC, I got the calling to be the district leader for my group. That was the only time I was a district leader on my mission. Um, and it was a terrible experience. Um, the missionaries I, I worked with were just not super committed to the cause, which is fair because, you know, they're new to the whole thing um, as well. And they were very clicky and very high schoolish. And I was like, man, you guys are the most immature people ever. I even said that to them. Um, Honestly, it was not a great experience, but what it did produce was I started writing essays about the struggle I was having, right, of 
these people who had had it so much better than me or they had it so much easier than me and this was obviously very self-conceited when i wrote at the time but how could they be so prideful and so stuck up about these things that are so important to me right um and you know i recognized that i have a very different life experience than these people right that muscular dystrophy has transformed everything about me right and in every way that i see the world and because of jesus christ i could take that and have hope but that wasn't like an essential necessity, right? That, that wasn't like an if-then statement. It was like a then-if kind of. It was kind of backwards. Like, oh, I have muscular dystrophy, so it must, you know, I need God, right? Whereas if you don't have muscular dystrophy, that might be a harder connection to make. Um, but I started writing essays, and I've kept, I've kept writing essays. I've now written over 250 of them. I, I wrote a book using them um, about courage, but don't worry about that. That'll come around eventually. Um, and so there was this, this beautiful opportunity came out of the opposition, both of muscular dystrophy, which was the root of my anger, and of this, this lack of genuineness from my fellow missionaries. Um, and so there's a quote, again, from the Lord of the Rings. And again, I promise you, I'm not, I'm not going to read too many Lord of the Rings quotes, but I have to read a couple um, where Frodo, as I mentioned, the main character and his his uh, his sidekick, basically his best friend Sam, um, they've been on this journey for a very long time, right? And Frodo's giving up and he's he's losing hope, and so Sam, kind of to motivate him, shares this this wonderful thought that I think applies really well here. Sam says. It's like the great stories, Mr. Frodo, the ones that really mattered, full of darkness and danger they were, and sometimes you didn't want to know the end because how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad had ha has happened? But in the end, it's only a passing shadow, passing thing, this shadow. Even darkness must pass. A new day will come, and when the sun shines, it'll shine out the clearer. I know, I know now, why folks in those stories had lots of chances of turning back, only they didn't. They kept going because they were holding on to something. That there's some good in this world, Mr. Frodo, and it's worth fighting for. It's from The Return of the King. Now, on my mission, that is what I learned, is that this is a good worth fighting for. And if, if everyone else isn't super hyped about it, I am. Right. That if other people are going to, you know, make fun of things or not try or try half heartedly or, you know, be jerks or be rude or be unkind in any way about this stuff, then that's OK, because I understand that it is the good worth fighting for. Jesus Christ is the good worth fighting for. He has given me hope and given me a perspective with the time that I have to see good in the world and to bring good into the world, right? That's the beauty of Jesus Christ. It is the hope he brings. And so I realized on my mission and it has become a, you know, it's kind of the kickstarter to my progression as a, as a, as an adult, I guess, from my mission on of the importance of even if no one else is, I am because Jesus Christ means everything to me, right? And so my mission ended abruptly due to COVID-19 and I was unable to complete a full 24 months, but I did do a five month 
service mission after my first nine months. And while there, I had the opportunity to do, I, I got to work at a bishop's storehouse and I got to interact with a lot of uh, much more experienced people than me. And I learned a ton from them. And again, you know, because of muscular dystrophy, I didn't go back on my mission. Um, I was sent home because of COVID. I stayed because of muscular dystrophy. And, you know, at first I really thought that I had given up some of that time. But in hindsight, right, looking at my life and how it's played out, that was the biggest blessing ever. I gained so much time to truly understand myself and understand my burdens and trials because of the time that was given to me when I came back from my mission. That does not apply to everyone. Please, please do not generalize what I have said. That truly, a mission is, is important. But remember that everyone's life is unique. Everyone is on their own path. And God is the only person who can judge that path. Right? Only God can judge the choices people make. So please don't judge someone because they didn't serve a full-time mission. That's pathetic. Now, the era of my life there when I was on my mission slash service mission was a lot of, of growth, a lot of self-progress, and it, and it created the groundwork for which I could then start sharing muscular dystrophy with others. But that brought additional hardships, um, which I will delve into in the second part of this, of this episode. Um, but I want to wrap up this section with a quote from The Dark Knight, which if you haven't seen The Dark Knight, it's a little violent, so maybe you don't want to go see it, but, um, it has this really valuable lesson in it where, um, Batman's father, before he dies, um, shares this simple thought. He says, why do we fall so we can learn to pick ourselves up? It's beautiful. It's simple. And that is truly the essence of the time given is that God has given us time here on this earth. And some people don't get as much time as others. Some people get very little time. But it really gives us the opportunity to fall. Because opposition creates opportunity. And opportunity is how we pick ourselves back up. That is what I am going to delve into in the next episode. But before I... I mean the next part... Um, but before I close, I want to leave you with the first invitation of the episode. There will always be two, um, because I feel like I want to give you options, <laughs> and also because I feel like the Spirit will guide you to which one you should follow through on. So, the invitation for this piece is to find one person who has helped you when you were in the midst of a time of opposition. For me, that was, that was uh, you know, been my, my entire life with, with muscular dystrophy. Um, but I want you to think of a time when you were struggling, when you needed help and you needed hope. And you chose to go and find, and, and, and either you chose or someone came to you and brought that help to you. I want you to go find that person and thank them. I want you to go find that person and thank them. You will create miracles through the littlest of actions. Give it a try. The worst thing you could do is not try at all. So, perhaps, perhaps it's worth a shot. Anyways, that's my invitation to you. Thank you for listening. Please listen to the second part um, and, and continue on from there. Um, 
Yeah. 